0: Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your business's or restaurants recycling program. Welcome to episode number 161 of the Jackson Hole Connection recording right here in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. They do so much for our community and for our environment and they are reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Avoid using single-use products. That means those reusable shopping bags. Remember to wash them, keep them clean, and keep them handy so you can reduce how much single-use products we have in our waste stream. Also, when hungry for breakfast or lunch, think of the Deli at Jackson Hole Marketplace. They're using fresh-baked bread and Boar's Head and Cy Ginsburg meats to build certain yum. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Thank you to all of you returning listeners, and welcome to all the new listeners. Before you finish with this podcast, remember to share this podcast, Give us a rating and review so it makes it easier for other people to enjoy the message and stories we're sharing each week my mission is to bring you fascinating stories of people connected to this lovely place jackson hole i feel that we all have a story to share and i want to bring you stories which you'll connect with, and it's going to add good energy to your day. Today's guest is Jay Peterberry, who works in the cycling industry, and he's known in this valley for more than just working in the cycling industry. But I'm not going to give away what that means, so you can hear it directly from Jay. But I will tell you, he is an original, and Jay is the most down-to-earth, easygoing guy I think I know around this town. and. I can tell you with what Jay does, he takes it very seriously. Jay has invested a lifetime into his success and continues each day to live the lifestyle which suits him. From growing up in New Jersey to living out west, Jay lives to experience the outdoors while dedicated to the cycling industry. Hey Jay, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to see you. It's been a while and it's great to sit down and talk to you.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. It was great to hear from you and I'm psyched to see what you're doing.
0: Well, you definitely have a connection to Jackson Hole. You just live on the you and your wife, Tracy, just live on the other side of the hill. I I like and you used to live here in Jackson as well at one point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I came here. I guess uh, I got married in '99 uh, to Tracy, and that was in New Jersey. And then we moved to Jackson in 2000. And I spent about we spent about ten years in Jackson, and then we bought a house here upon leaving there. So we, uh, we've been right here in downtown Victor for about twelve years. Cool,
0: and. Let's start off with the history of, and where'd you grow up and how did you and Tracy end up how, out of here in Jackson of all places?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting story for sure. Yeah, like I said, I was, I was born and raised in New Jersey and um, I went to college for, I got an associate's degree in construction management. And so fresh out of college, I opened up my own business in New Jersey and I kind of turned into a workaholic actually. And which of course, in return, I was making some money. So um, that was the first time I, I, I started to really enjoy the outdoors. And um, I got introduced to cycling uh, after college. And so I embraced that pretty aggressively mountain biking. And, but one thing led to the next. And before you know it, I was trying to learn all outdoor sports. On the East Coast. That's when adventure racing multi-sport was really big. And so I was like, you know, I I was running a business, had a lot of energy. I was learning all these sports. I was in New Jersey and it was hustle bustle, just like city life is. But I was doing a lot and learning a lot. But then I was taking trips out East to kind of get a a bigger perspective of sport and mountains. And I took several trips to Jackson. And then uh, on one of those trips, you might say, I was on a little bit of a sabbatical. I was here for basically a couple of months in the winter, and I got into a bad snowmobile accident and oh, I no. pushed my, th- yeah, I, I uh, was up on Togity Pass with a, with a local friend and a group of us Jersey folks were out here ripping around, like kind of being careless. And for sure. I put, uh, I put my teeth through my lips, bit my tongue in half. And before you know it, like I'm in, uh, um, downtown, uh, getting my face worked on and surgery on my teeth and emergency stuff. And I had to stay here for a while to kind of get some of that work done. And so I was crashed out on a buddy's couch and kind of recover, all messed up, probably on painkillers, whatever else. And at that time, I was making some moves back east and I was getting ready. I thought I wanted to be like this construction guy and this uh, this landlord guy. You know, I'm running around 23, 20, whatever it was, 25 years old. And then uh, I was getting ready to buy my first multifamily property. And Tracy calls me, my wife at the time, she's home, I'm here. She's like, hey, you got to sign this and fax this over, whatever you want to do. She's like, or you could just drop it all and move to Jackson. And I was like, really? And I was just like, (laughs) I mean, that was like out of nowhere. No, I was like, Okay. Um, and the bottom line was, yeah, I, I mentioned I was a workaholic, but like I was living city life, like for sure. And maybe having uh, more money in my pocket wasn't necessarily a good thing at that time in my life. And so, like, I was aggressive, maybe not living so healthy, but like people seen it as like I was doing good things and making this business. And I was just like, I had to leave. And and the bottom line was, uh, uh, there was a part of my heart and soul that wanted to be in the mountains. Right. And so, I said, yeah, let's move to Jackson. So I finished up with recovery and I literally went home and within, I would say six weeks, we had trucks loaded. I didn't sell anything. I brought all my construction equipment, I had a camper, uh, a box truck, a pickup, and I just brought all the Jackson. And, uh, and it was crazy, you know. Um, that was in, like I said, that was in 2000. I just, uh, I, I didn't want to work the way I was back east. I didn't want to open a business again. I was really starting to embrace the mountain culture, which is why I came here. Like I would say, a lot of people came here as maybe ski bums or something. You hear that one a lot. Like I wasn't a season pass holder. I, w- I wouldn't say I was a ski bum. I didn't come here to ski. Um. Although I, I did that for a bunch of years, for sure, but I came here for more of a lifestyle change and to kind of be around this bigger environment and the mountains, which is really what I love. And uh, that's kind of how I landed here. Um, and you know, for like ten years, bopping around Jackson, I, I played in and out of the construction scene, and I was just like I was. Trying put my finger on a pulse to that much different construction scene than what I came from uh, back East. And I did a lot of commercial work and it's just a, it's a totally different pace and everything else. And I was trying to wrap my head around what this type of carpentry was and construction. And I worked for different people and made made enough money to live basically, but wasn't interested in opening up that business again. Then I come from a drywall trade. So it's a hustler's trade, working hard and um, but still I wanted to be in the mountain. I wanted to play more than I wanted to work. And that wasn't the case back East. So it was, it was an interesting change. And then, um, I fumbled across a, uh, caretaking position, which, uh, I was really fortunate of, you know, we spent some time down living in Hoback Junction and was meeting people. But honestly, like my nest egg was running out after a few years time mm-hmm. and we were, we were trying to figure out, like, should we stay in Jackson? We were actually going to move out of town we were thinking about like not being here. And that was like, people talk about the, the struggles of surviving and trying to make money and live in Jackson nowadays. Like, you know, I thought that was a problem, uh, you know, 18 years ago or something, <laughs> um, but not nearly the same, but um, we questioned about leaving and came across this caretaking position, which uh, was really awesome. Spent um, seven or eight years there. Uh, that was actually uh, with uh, Jerry Spence and uh, his wife um, out in, off of uh, Fall Creek Road, um, and that was a great opportunity. So no real overhead, but was able to kind of still work. Tracy always held a decent, good job, and um, just really played a lot through those years as well. And uh, yeah, it's been a heck of a 20 years here, or 10 years in Jackson, shall I say? And um, and it was time to leave the caretaking job, and so that kind of that ended. And you know, gosh, so that would have been in. 2010 and we kind of might remember what the economy was like then, um, and housing and stuff. But uh leaving that caretaking position, we were at a point in our lives, Tracy and I were like, you know, we're not gonna rent ever again. Yeah, we're in our mid-30s. It's like we want to buy a home. And uh we said, let's go look over in Victor. And we looked around here for a couple of weeks and answered some questions for ourselves. And, uh, and we hustled over here and bought a house and a short sale, uh, which was really hard to do at that time. And, you know, we left that position in uh, Jackson and was, we're living in our first home and, uh, you know, four weeks later, and we really like it here. We're happy to be here. And, we, and uh, the last 12 years have been uh, a trip in, in, in itself, you know. So yeah, that's kind of my Jackson vibe and what I had going on
0: there. <laughs> so I, I think both sides of the hill consider each other, you know, somewhat of the same community. You're in the valley. You're in the valley.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: And so now what are you doing? You're not in construction, you're you're not into caretaking. It's quite a unique yeah. career that you have created here.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely been uh you know, everyone sees it from the outside. It's definitely highs and lows and a lot of hard work, but yeah, like when people ask me what I do now, I I, I say, uh, I'm in the cycling industry. I don't like to really say that I'm a professional athlete. Um, it's far from that, you know. I work in the industry, and yeah, people know me as an athlete. They know me for uh, riding long distances and uh, see all these crazy trips I do. And you know, I've set records, win races, and you know, I, I was I was ahead of this long-distance cycling multi-day. It's now called bike packing. I was ahead of it before it's time. And, you know, now I'm considered a legend in sport and it's, it's just like super unique. And, uh, what's been super fun is it's been very organic and natural. Um, yeah, I push things and work hard at things, but it's like, I would have never predicted this. I don't have a life plan for this. Like you can't go into, uh, look up a job and find what I do and try to, uh, write that job description, but,
0: um, it's not on indeed. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: um but yeah, so um all my years and um in this valley now. It's been 12 years. I kind of little by little been getting into the cycling industry. And like I said, a lot of it is from like my athletic side and what I've done. Uh, But I I worked in Fitzgerald's bicycles for a number of years. I was a fitter there as a subcontractor. So a lot of people know me, if they know me from there, they know me as a a bike fitter. So I started to learn a little bit of the industry that way, the ins and outs of a bike shop. Um, I go to cycling industry events, call it expos and things. Like that, so I just kind of got to learn the industry a bit through that, and then um, also understanding what it means to work with a brand, what it means to be a sponsored rider, and that's all just been homework on myself. And, and a lot of it, really, what I've come to realize, it's just a lot of relationship building, and then you try to figure out a biz how how can I make business out of this if this relationship is. Right, if we believe in each other and uh, you like what I do, I like your product. And so, you know, that's a piece of what I do. Um, and, and I still do that today. And, you know, I also work with brands in a way where I test product. I've been able to create products um, and have impact that way on different ideas, uh, which has been really neat. Um, that's, that's a part I really enjoy is working with the brands that way. But also like I teach, I've put on clinics, I'm a race director. I put on a pretty respected winter endurance event in Island Park called Fat Pursuit. And that started with like an advocacy side. I I was pushing for riding fat tire bikes on snow, on groomed trails since before it was a thing. And so I kind of helped with some of that stuff and even had some... um, some rules changed, uh, here up in Island park. Like now we're allowed to do that legally. Um, and I would say I've helped spearhead a lot of that stuff, uh, and what we call adventure riding. Um, so yeah, there's an advocacy side and I, I still race direct and I put on a few winter camps and, you know, that's really something that i starting to pivot towards now. You asked me about something like, oh, is there anything you want to mention or what you want to do? Like, you know, like a, I would say, like my my road, you know, I have a motto of ride forward, and that just means going forward in life with no matter what you're doing, whether it's friendships, business, or just life. And you know, it doesn't mean that road is straight; uh, it bends a lot. There's a lot of turns, uh, but just always moving forward. And you know, right now, I see some transition where I do want to uh, I want to teach more and share more of where I live and what I do and have been doing. Um, I just know. How How inspirational it is. I know how it's changed my life. Um, You know, we talk a lot about how bikes can change lives. And um, I don't necessarily recommend what I do. Um, I'm happy if you follow and think it's inspirational and amazing. But, you know, the bike, you can, you know, I see all these commuters, especially in Jackson. I love to see that. Or whether it's just for fitness or for fun, um, you know, the competitive piece is just like such a, a, a really small percentage of what the bike is for people. And, and I really just want to show more of that to people, you know, and, and, and honestly, I've had this uh, pretty big thing in my life for the past uh, year and a half now, um, you know, COVID has made us all look at things different. So if we fast forward and like, what's Jay been doing since then, like um, I've had this opportunity to mentor a kid, uh, Jacob Hora, local here in Teton Valley. Uh, he was 15 years old when uh, might I might say uh, I started working with him and hanging out with him. It was during COVID. Uh, he was He's a, a, a Niker rider, so high school league, biker. You know, he was like, I think he was like 13 years old when he came to my Fat Pursuit event, Winter Biker, you know. So I, I, I've been watching him for a couple of years, but then uh, he and his parents reached out to see if I can kind of just help him, show him some more things about cycling uh, and training and you know, he has desire to be better and want to be better. And, and it's turned into this mentorship and, you know, not everyone knows, but yeah, people know me for doing these big, long rides, call it 300 miles, 500 miles, a thousand, 3,000 mile rides. Um, and I do these in a race, uh, you know, with a race outlook and a competitive side. So, and Jacob's seen this and know that, but he has desire to do that stuff and he has desire. And, um, since then, um, I've raced with Jacob in four different events. Uh, last year it was just kind of like our local event called Fitzburn. Uh, I don't even, I get so confused with numbers because I'm so, my perspective is so weird. So, like a few <laughs> hundred miles, like I forget about what that means, honestly, because like I could, you know, I, I like pay attention to 3,000 miles. But anyway, like I took a 400 mile ride, uh, seen really. Cool success in that and drive. Two weeks later, I took him on this 800 mile ride off road in Utah, which was crazy. And then, and breaking all these barriers in this drive, and and then I took him to Alaska this past year. That's you know that goes along with my fat bike riding, and I've been riding the Iditarod Trail. I think that was my thirteenth trip. But I took a, a Jacob. This he just turned 16. And here I am, like, taking him into the wilderness of Alaska to go on this fat bike expedition. Like, you know, on one one hand, I'm like, this is, like, pretty wild, super cool. I don't know where his drive comes from. But then I'm, like, questioning myself, am I crazy for doing this and taking this responsibility and showing him this stuff? Um, You know, and then recently, you know, um, just a few weeks ago, we just got back from Kyrgyzstan. You know, so Jacob and oh, cool. I did this uh, thousand mile high elevation, very rugged. I described it as one of the uh, the most challenging and uh, most difficult events I've ever done, and I've done hundreds. And um, we went over there and raced as a pair. and uh, eight days, nine days or something I can't remember. Um, but you know, very high elevation stuff and foreign foods, foreign language very remote. And, um, and we had a blast and it's kind of been fun doing that, you know, just as a, another side project for me to do. So being long winded there, but you know, you ask what I do and, you know, people (laughs) always ask, I don't even know what to tell them. Like I I don't have an occupation, um, but, uh, and I barely got it figured out. Um, but it's fun. I have a huge support group. Um, my wife, Tracy, amazing. Uh, you know, she's definitely the stone in the ground and, and, and super stable. And I'm the guy that just creates a lot of work and is doing a lot of crazy things and a lot of balls in the air juggling. uh, but it keeps it interesting. And yeah, I got, a, you know, I, I have a lot of sponsorship stuff and just, uh, friends and, um, a lot of fans and stuff. And it's, it's, it's been a heck of a ride, uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> And uh, I don't plan on stopping what I'm doing. Like I said, uh, just a couple of minutes ago, I, I really want to start ramping up the, uh, the education side and working with people and kind of have some business plan stuff going into action right now with that. Um, so you might see something uh, pretty soon down the road here locally with that stuff, whether it's just a uh, local tour guide stuff here in the Valley, or just like people really looking to like learn expedition style riding, uh, whether it be just for fun for themselves or to go to an, a special event. Or uh yeah, just to learn something and have fun. And um, you know, I, I think we have the perfect backyard to do that in. So
0: that's a, a load of information. <laughs> that we, we gotta get into some of it. We we don't have a ton yeah. of time.
1: Sure. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I just I just gave you the, you know, the short version.
0: <laughs> I I applaud you so much, Jay, for um, what you're doing with with Jacob, that mentoring, and yeah, for you to take a 16 year old young man who's growing into his own and trying to figure stuff out, and you took him into the Alaskan wilderness. And was this a winter ride that you did? I take it. Oh yeah. It was. Yeah.
1: It was just this past February, you know, I mean, we're talking COVID times on top of it, you know, and, uh, and just the travel of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really like our, our last travel to Kyrgyzstan was, was, was nuts. I mean, between COVID tests and just like traveling in general is not fun right now. Traveling internationally, like after that trip, like I'm not going to do it for a while.
0: (laughs) Um, so, Uh, The first question that I have for you, you have done some amazing, amazing accomplishments. You have accomplished amazing stuff. Things that most people would never even think about. Why do you not consider yourself a professional athlete?
1: Oh, man. It seems so one-dimensional. Okay. And almost elitist in a way. And I don't want to be that. And I never wanted to be that. It's nothing I planned on being. Like I said, I I got to this position very naturally and organically. I didn't say I wanted to be a professional Mm -hmm. athlete at this. And so, and I do so much more than that. People see a professional athlete as like, oh, you must get paid to ride your bike. And oh my gosh, it's so far from that. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't like to use that terminology. And and maybe I overanalyze words and things like that. Um, Just like I don't like to be say, like people love to tell me I like to suffer. And that's like not what I like to do. I hate the word. Um, I enjoy doing what I do. And so maybe it's uh, just, you know, your identity
0: doesn't align with the word and what comes along with the term professional. Yeah. And, uh, you know, professional athlete. That. Let's say that professional athlete. Yeah. So because then I want to get into another topic because you've done these extreme rides and you know, expedition style riding. What was the first race that you did that was a long distance this expedition style that you're like, I'm I like this. I'm gonna do more. Yeah,
1: I I can. I know exactly when it was like, you know, I gave you a little history earlier about running around New Jersey and being an adventure racer. Like, I took that very seriously. Like, I was a, I traveled adventure racing for over 10 years. Um, so I was very familiar with long distance, but multi sport. And I did it because like Tracy and I got to travel and I was learning all this fun stuff. And, you know, then I come to Jackson and, but we're all mountain athletes here, right? Like, like I don't, you don't really want to brag about what you do here because the guy next to you probably did it twice. (laughs) And like, I learned that real quick. And like, Uh I just enjoy all the people here for that. But you know, like the true passion from long distance cycling came in 2000. Like I was running around, it was very uh, event driven, anything from the 5k to the 100 mile mountain bike race and Cash Creek, I did every local event every single time. And just like I was just an event person, I love events. I like being around, I like competition. Some people don't like going to them, that's fine. I just, I love them. I like the community and the people and everything that goes along with going to an event. And, but in 2007, I came across this thing called the Great Divide mountain bike race. And somebody said, You got to go do this, Jay. And I was like, That is nuts it's 2,500 miles long. I'll never be able to find the time for it. Sounds cool though. Well, I, I must've went home and immediately I was just like, I got to do this. <laughs> and I figured it out. And so 2007, I did this Great Divide mountain bike race, which is basically it followed um, Adventure Cycling Association, Big Cycling Association um, created this uh, Great Divide mountain bike route, Continental Divide mountain bike route. And so I raced it and uh, I, I go up to the border of Montana. And it's an off-road route, and I was like so jazzed on being there, so ready. Um, I planned for a year, and there's about seventeen of us there, <laughs> so you know, very fringe. You know, you're getting ready. Summer or winter? <laughs> no, this is uh, the summer.
0: Summer. Okay.
1: Summer June. And so I'm on a mountain bike. So, very fringe thing. No one really knew about it. People know about it today as the tour divide. And so, pretty big impact in the bikepacking world nowadays. Um, but anyway, 2007, I line up and do this thing. And I came back from that calling it the ice cream and hamburger tour. I've never been so happy. <laughs> I never enjoyed something so much. First of all, it was like, my number one sport, which is cycling, it was in the backcountry, which I love. I got to apply all my all the things I learned in adventure racing. I got to apply to this sport, whether it was navigation or logistics or just being creative. And then sleep deprivation; these things go nonstop. And so I raced my bike for 15 days, and I didn't even know it, but I I reset the there was a current record, and I reset it by like a day. And so then I was like. And naturally good at it. I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, and I didn't like make a huge deal of it. I was just like, "Oh wow!" I set this record. That's cool. But like, what was more fulfilling was I found a passion that I really love doing. And from that, gosh, it's like, you know, I've done three to four big events like that a year. I don't even count like my hundred mile gravel races and all that. And it's just like been this huge obsession. And like, not just because I love doing it myself, but like watching others and growing the sport. And so, you know, I talk about like finding a passion and and really going for it, and not everyone in life gets to find one of those. You see people that just live life or exist and and they're mm-hmm. missing something, but like when you find someone that like has a passion for something, like you could tell I'm getting excited because like you see that in them, and it really brings out the, I think the best in somebody. And 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 wow, like we're we're only on this earth for a small amount of time, and so like when you find something that you really love and are going for it, that's awesome. And then when you could start to work within it, that's like really, really awesome. And now I get to share it and try to like, not that I'm going to fool others to do what I do, like I said, but like, there's so many ways to... to um, to do this type of touring on a bike. And I think it's amazing because the experiences you get from touring on a bike, anyone who's done it will tell you. It's like people approach you all the time. They're always like asking you if you need anything. And it's just it, the experiences on a bicycle are amazing. And so, yeah, that's, that's when I found my passion.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, Jay, we're going to take a quick break to have a word from yeah. one of our sponsors, and then we're going to be right back. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding you to bring reusable bags with you whenever you go shopping for groceries and other items around town using reusable bags keeps items out of the waste stream washing your reusable bags keeps the germs away from whatever you put in there we can work together in every community we live in by using reusable bags also available is food waste composting and yard waste composting right at the trash transfer station facilities just give them a call at 307 733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operation. Welcome back, Jay. I'm so enjoying this conversation. And we were just talking about (laughs) finding your passion. You know, you that first race that you did helped you find your passion. Now, with the workshops that you do and the teaching and when you're going to these different events... Are you, do, you, do you help people find their passion?
1: You know, it, the rewarding part when showing others something is when you get a message back <laughs> mm-hmm. or when you see them achieve something. And um, I see it. Yes. Um, not in everyone. You know, not, that's not what everyone's about. And for, for some, it is first timers. I love working with like kind of newbies in sport and first timers. And like, then I love to watch them grow. Um, you know, I've, I, I can watch people. I've been watching people for years. Sometimes if they're new, if I've only been working for them for a year or five years, but like, you know, it seems like a lot of my clients, especially my personal clients become personal friends. And sometimes I get to do personal trips with these people. And, you know, it's no, it's not too much different than, you know, people are familiar in the, in the guide, in the mountain guiding world, like what guides do. And I I do a, I can do a similar thing and do do a similar thing in my cycling world. But yeah, there's a big reward for watching that. Others, others find this drive or the like in sport or passion. And like I said, not everyone gets to find that. And, and, and I see that. And, and that kind of makes me sad when you see people just kind of cruising around life and you know they can use something, um, especially when we start to, you know, we, we're, we're pretty fortunate here. I'd say everyone's pretty upbeat and things that, but you start to go to a city, you start to see people that are depressed. You start to see people that aren't living this fulfilling life or all these people that are so proud of working 80 80 hours a week and sitting in the office and that's their life. And I know it's not their passion. And, you know, it's the old like, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do? I, I go to college. I, I have three kids. I, I get a house and I have a career. And then you see that American dream with so many people. But is that really living life to the fullest? And um, that was a, a big reason for me for moving here, <laughs> honestly, because I was caught up in that. And that's probably why I can appreciate and understand one having a passion, and then two the people that don't.
0: So yeah, I'm I'm thrilled that you you found your passion. And, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, it, it takes a lot. It takes a big leap of faith to to um, make changes in life because that can just that can be scary. Because what people get caught up in is comfortable to where what you and Tracy did um, is certainly outside of the comfort zone. I mean, granted, you say you had worked hard, you had saved some money, but still it's it's outside of the comfort zone. So I certainly a- applaud you guys. You know, you mentioned about these long races that you're doing. And I, I want people to know that, hey, <laughs> you had some experience in ult- ultra extreme racing before you got into this. You were doing a lot of things. So it's not like it just came to you all of a sudden, but I am interested to know what is the planning that it takes to participate in a 2,500 mile race or to go on an, a race in Kyrgyzstan Kursi- or you know, a 3,000 mile race?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously it doesn't take me the same amount of time now as it did when I first started this stuff. Um, but it still takes a lot of time. Um, the dedication behind it is pretty incredible. For one, the physical side. You know, I'm pretty committed to training. Nowadays, I work with a trainer. I am creeping on 50 years old. And so I, I do have a lot of experience at this point, but I still put in my time. And it takes more time the less experience you have. So there's the physical aspect, which is huge, and I like to compete at a high level. So I put probably put even more effort into it than no. somebody might, which is a huge time commitment, and understand that that takes away from home time and family time. And then there is the 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 event planning itself, which is like looking at routing routes. You know, like look, a lot of us have done like say a shorter event. And we kind of like to know what that course is, whether it's, you know, five miles, 10 miles, 25 miles, 100 miles, you know, oh, is that an uphill 5K? Or, you know, oh, on that 25 mile course, I think there's two climbs. Well, try studying a 2,500 mile route. And Mm -hmm. you can't really study the whole thing. Like I always say, go to the event prepared. Don't spend too much time planning on the route, but you should be familiar with it. You got to start to understand like what numbers mean, you know. Kyrgyzstan was a thousand miles with over a hundred thousand vertical feet of climbing, what? and and so that is those are just numbers to a lot of people. But if you understand what that means, that is a heck of a lot of climbing over a yeah. thousand feet. Yeah, so it's ten thousand per hundred miles. Consistent though, <laughs> that's the key there. <laughs> um, so. You start to learn what that stuff means, and then you realize how hard the event is. And then, um, you know, you wanna plan for like, you gotta start to understand, well, where's my resupply? So, for the people that don't know in the audience, like, understand what I do is also, uh, I concentrate on off road, so backcountry, usually mountain bikes or gravel bikes. Resupplies are, you gotta know where they're at. So, where are you gonna get your food from? Is it gonna be, will I be there in 12 hours, 24 hours, or do I gotta carry food for two days? So for example, my I've been to Kyrgyzstan three times now for the Silk Road race. The first time I carried seven days worth of food. I carried uh, close to 15,000 calories from the start of the event hmm. because I was unsure what the food was going to be and I didn't want to get sick. And so this year we carried about half that and sub, you know, sub that with like stops and things like that. So studying a route. Um, you're asking me about the preparation the time that goes into it so that's one piece of it the route and then like if you're going cross country or out out of the country you might want to start to understand a little bit of culture Um, and even on Alaska you might want to understand a little bit of culture you know I go there in the winter and understand what Diderot needs. And then you'll go on tangents because then you're going to be curious and you're going to start to want to know history and, <laughs> and uh, just fun stuff. Uh, uh, but then there's the food planning and the nutrition planning. And a lot of it comes down to experience. Not everyone finished these events. You know, I'm pretty proud and I am the only one that can say this, that I have finished over 50 of these events. I have never quit. I don't quit. I don't know how to quit. I don't know what that means. I don't talk about it. I don't consider it. We don't go there. (laughs) So um, a lot of that's mental and know what that means. I think there's some mental training involved. And so a lot of my experiences, whether it's the sleep deprivation part or the mental part, a lot of that's just experience. And that I can't even tell you what kind of time I put into that. Um, So none of this stuff uh, in general is easy to prepare for especially when you're doing several events a year, you know, and it's been fun. What what I really enjoy about the teaching part is like, it helps me understand. Um, And I really see, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a lot that goes into this. Cause a lot of it comes natural for me now, but like, you know, when I have Jacob, 16 year old Jacob asking me these certain questions, I'm just like, yeah, this stuff doesn't, you need to earn all this knowledge. Um, you're not born with it, and uh, experiences only come over a lifetime. So there's a commitment factor for sure. Um, and a lot of this is stuff like the outside doesn't see, or that Instagram doesn't talk about, or um, or realize. Um, you know, and there is a business side to all this too. You got to make a living.
0: <laughs> You've figured out how to do it, and I applaud you.
1: You know, I always say, um, I live a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go to work nine to five. I work, I basically work all day, all the time. I work from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. Cause a lot of it's bike, 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 but it's also a lifestyle and it's not for everybody. Not everyone Wants to do what I do. A lot of people see what I do and ask what I do. Um, and I say, honestly, you probably don't want to do what I do. Do you have that work ethic? Are you interested in like ODing on this type of stuff, like all day and all night? And can you balance that with your regular life? It's a hard balance for me and my wife for sure. I'm not going to say that's easy either. You know, she doesn't want to hear me talk about bike, bike, bike 24 7. I'm fortunate enough to have a wife that does this stuff too. And we've done a lot of these things together, but, um, yeah. So
0: now you had mentioned, um, and this is the first time I'd heard of this organization, Adventure Cycling Association.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's probably one of the longest running. Uh, I guess they'd fall under a nonprofit, I would assume. Um, yeah. And so they're out of uh, Missoula, Montana, um, and very, very large um, organization. Um, and they started mapping, like, kind of, uh, Uh, call it touring routes and kind of like trans America, you know, they map that route and they have all these mapped routes and very comprehensive mapping systems and notes. And they send out newsletters. It's a great organization. And then, uh, that great divide mountain bike route I did was, uh, the first off-road route that they have mapped, hmm. you know, they got thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of, um, road map, uh, road routes, and, you know, and that would be like kind of the traditional that you might see, uh, road bike with panther style touring. And, you know, what we, what I do is what we call bike packing and yeah, it's still cycle touring, but it's a very, s- uh, streamlined approach to bike touring, Uh, You know, I'm really paying attention to like, you know, the weight of my equipment. It's very just streamlined stuff. It's not hard racks and panniers. But anyway, that organization um, mapped that route. And actually, how ironic, uh, the guy that mapped that route, uh, Mike McCoy, he did that, gosh, uh, early 80s or something. And he was mapping that route and he lives just a couple of miles from me. He lives here in Teton Valley and he's worked for adventure cycling association for a long time. I believe he puts out the Teton Valley magazine, him and his wife, and he's since retired from uh, adventure cycling association. But um, yeah, he's super uh, legendary for creating that route. And he's the one to blame for my addiction, <laughs> um, but we got along Um uh, and it's awesome. It's it's really cool. What a small world,
0: right? <laughs> that yeah, it is. You, you never like well, you said it before. You never know who's standing next to you. So don't brag because they've probably done it twice or better than you anyway.
1: Uh, yeah, especially around this neck of the woods. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Jay, if, if people wanted to reach out and connect with you. Do you have a website or some sort of social media account that they can? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, jpeterberry.com is a website. There's a contact form there. Um, I respond to email as well. And, uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. If anyone does that, um, you could find me just J underscore Peterberry there. And yeah, I answer a lot of questions. I get back to all my emails and all the weird questions that I get about bike stuff. Um, and I just try to be that person, you know. Um, I say I'm an ambassador of sport, so and I like to share as well. And so uh, I've done that locally as well.
0: Well, you are certainly a genuine and down to earth person, and always enjoy. It's been a long time since we've run into each other, and always enjoy <laughs> running into you and Tracy. I've yeah, you both you. for for many years from coming into the store and sure get to follow you guys. Um, it's it's awesome. You you two are great folks. Thank you. Yeah, I so appreciate your time, Jay. And the, the key words that you've provided today, you know, and I hope that somebody who might be caught in a rut or something hopes, maybe they find a little bit of passion for themselves and shake, shake things up in a good way for life. Um, For sure. Yeah. It it can certainly be good. Certainly not saying, Hey, drop everything and leave your life, wife and family. (laughs) Yeah. no 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 no, but, no. yeah but uh <laughs> you know get out there and find a passion it might be cycling it might be swimming it could be running um yep. it could be a combination of putting it all together and i applaud you for being able to find your passion and and live life to the fullest the way you're doing you're certainly an inspiration and i appreciate your time
1: yeah thank you thanks for having me i appreciate you let me share with the locals here
0: you got it okay Jay, be well say hi to tracy and You guys, um, when's your next race?
1: Oh gosh. That's like a super funny question right now because, uh, of course I'm getting it a lot and, um, it's really refreshing because I don't have anything on the calendar and, um, I'm pretty psyched to kind of say that. And I'm just taking a little bit of a time out. Like I said, I'm kind of working on some uh, other things and some stuff. So just putting some concentration there. And my, uh, our, we have two camps that I host in January, and my Fat Pursuit event is in January. So I got a lot of kind of planning between those few things.
0: So what are the what are the camps that you host in January? Maybe somebody listening in would. Uh,
1: yeah. So um, they're winter fat Bite camps. I do a a short workshop that's three days, which is preparation for the event itself um, right before the event. And that's early January. And then late January, I do a a more comprehensive, a five-day winter camp. And, you know, we, we teach and show people how to like, uh, build bivvies and camp outside and use their stoves and just winter, uh, camping more or less, but off the bike and just the tricks of the trade and how to stay warm. And yeah. So yeah. Thanks for giving that a plug for sure. But, uh, that can all be found at fatpursuit.com. And so, yeah.
0: And spell fat because I wrote it one way and you could be saying another.
1: (laughs) No, it's actually F-A-T pursuit. Okay, yeah. I did put And, and uh, that, that was born from Fat Bike. Mm-hmm. And we are open actually to skiers and walkers, runners now. And that's a new thing this year. But anyway, that's what that's born from. So we'll get
0: that No out. grass growing
1: under my feet there, Stefan.
0: No, <laughs> not at all. All right, Jay. Enjoy your day. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks. See you. Take care. Bye. To learn more about Jay, his adventures, and his cycling clinics, visit the connection.com episode number 161. Thank you, everybody, who keeps on tuning in each week. Get out there and give us a rating and a review. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Michael, for doing the editing and marketing every week. And of course, the support that my wife, Laura, and my boys give me. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.